Open your Bibles with me. We're going to read from John, the Gospel of John, chapter 4, starting at verse 27. And in saying that, when I say open the Bible, I also want to know, you know, you can watch on the screens and online we have it on the screen too, but I invite everybody to have a deep personal relationship with this, the living word, the living water that we're going to talk about a little bit today. And if you don't have a Bible, we have them here for you. The Roy Hill family provides them, um, and some of the Sunday school classes, I believe, also help out with that. And on your way out, if you need a Bible, or if you know somebody that does need a Bible and you want to take one to them, they're on the table right outside. Don't hesitate to ask for one. We'll be happy to get you one. But we're going to read 27 through 30 out of chapter 4, and then I'm going to jump ahead a little bit and read 39 through 42. So starting at 27. And at this point, his disciples came, and they marveled that he talked with the woman. Yet no one said, who do you seek? Or why are you talking with her? The woman then left her water pot, went her way into the city, and said to the men, come see a man who told me all things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came to him. And then at verse 39... And many of the Samaritans of that city believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified. He told all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans had come to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his own word. Then they said to the woman, Now we believe. Not because of what you said, but for we ourselves have heard him. And we know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? Lord God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the praises and the sing and just the everything that we just lift up your name today, God. And now, God, we ask you to get any kind of distractions, any kind of doubts or anxieties or any kind of thoughts that are not yours. Get them out of the way so we can hear your voice and grow closer to you this day. And now, God, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, my dearest Lord Jesus, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. I'm going to echo Kim's comment just a minute ago about what a joy it is to hear kids' voices in here. And um, there's a spirit in this place tonight, and I want to thank the the worship team again and everybody else involved, our tech team, for getting the, the word out online to people that need to hear that voice today. God bless you all. And I'm going to tell you, I have felt a strong spirit in my own life a lot in the last two months, okay? Um... As with everybody during COVID, we all said we're going to spend a long time with God and grow a little closer and, you know, all that thing, everything worked out. And um, some months later, we realized we still have plenty of time to work out that relationship. But in the last two months, it's been really pressing on me that I have really started to dig in to Scripture more than I ever have before. Not saying I didn't before, I'm just doing it a lot more now. I'm going to say I'm honing in on the relationship that I have with Christ because 
I have really sat and thought, you know, I'm a husband, I'm a son, I'm a father, um, I'm a teacher of the word, um, I'm a youth pastor, I'm associate pastor here at Pine Valley, and I love all of those things. But the most important thing that I have been developing my relationship with is acknowledging that I am a child of God first. One, two, three. There you go. Come on. We're all child of God, right? Children of God. So I started thinking about uh, pursuing my relationship and how, how that kind of relates to um, our everyday life living with Christ. And a lot of times when you say the word pursuing something or going after something, you may think of chasing something. So as I started to think about chasing something, um, it dawned on me the other morning, Wednesday morning, um, I got to tell y'all, uh, Christine and I have been married for almost 24 years and probably 21, 22 of those years we've had a pet dog. We lost our uh, last dog early in 2020 and I'll be the first one to tell you I swore up and down I would never get another one because it broke my heart. I was done. And then online, um, recently uh, I did a little Google searching which is always dangerous and I ran across a little puppy and had to have her so I went and got her and I was playing with her the other day and our living room right now is just completely scattered with puppy toys right now. I mean, puppy toys everywhere. And so I was playing with her Wednesday morning as I was kind of preparing for the message too. And I pick up a puppy toy and I'm playing it and I throw it across the living room and she goes running across the living room and starts playing with it. I'm entertained very easily. So I grab another one and I throw it the other direction. She drops that one, runs that way. Does the same thing. So I grab another toy and I throw it the other direction. She drops that one and runs all the way across the room to the other side. And that's when it hit me. As I was reading this scripture, when something is dropped, by default, when you go to pursue something else, you have to leave something else behind. So as we're developing our relationship with Jesus Christ, if we stay focused on him as we are pursuing him, by default, we're going to leave some things beside, behind us. Things like um, perhaps uh, bad relationships or um, anxiety or depression, um, uh, addictions. If we are following Christ with our whole heart, we're going to drop those things and by default, leave those things behind as we develop our relationship with him. So as we talk about that relationship today, I'm going to talk about three things. And the first one that I want to talk about is when you follow Jesus, it's not about our performance, it's about his purpose, okay? I'll explain it in another way. Uh, performance, I mentioned to the kids a minute ago in the children's message about uh, being in a race. How many of y'all have ever been in a foot race? Raise your hand. Everybody in here, even if you were in childhood, you were in some sort of race, what, in your childhood especially, what is the main point? If you're in a race with somebody, what do you want to do? Win. That's right. So you're going to win at something. Now, some people race, and they run these really long distances, um, like Pastor Kim here. It was 26.2 miles. 26.2 miles in the New York Marathon. And I know. God bless her. Um, that's, they make skateboards for me. So anyway, um, but some people do it for exercise, and um, no matter what, if you're running a race in something, a lot of times we are trying to win. But what would it look like if I said, what does it look like to win in the faith department? In other words, 
Maybe do you know what God wants from you in the faith department? And right here, I've got a list that I want to share with you. This list is from uh, a group called the Rethink Group. And Rethink is a group of uh, scholars that uh, put together Bible lessons, um, especially for a group called Orange, and they, uh, they focus on youth ministries. This is a list of what they came up with, of some things that they think God wants from us, okay? To do the right thing more than the wrong thing. To go to church more. To stop being angry so much. Become more patient and empathetic to other people. Lord knows our nation needs that right now. To volunteer more. To serve more in missions. And to pray and read more Bible. And these are all great things. And actually the list is a lot longer. I just kind of pulled some of the highlights out of that. Because, you know, sometimes it feels like we're doing a lot of these things already, but then you still kind of get this little feeling of maybe it's not enough. And when you start pushing yourself a little more, you might start to get tired or weary. Just as this Samaritan woman in the well, and um, I just shared a very short part of that story, and we'll talk a little bit more in just a minute. But she was tired. It tells us in the scripture she was tired. And it also says Jesus was weary from his travel, so he was sitting at the well and waiting on her. And what is so awesome about that is she did not even know that she was about to accept something. She had no idea what was coming. And what that was was the purpose that God had for her. He just needed her to sit back and listen for a minute. And once we do listen and we realize that it's about our purpose, then we realize that we need to do the next step. And that means we need to follow Jesus by reaching out. Look at verse 27. And at this point, his disciples came and they marveled that he talked with a woman. Yet no one said, what do you seek or why are you talking with her? The woman then left her water pot. She left the old behind. She went her way into the city and said to the men, come see a man who told me all things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? And I just got to tell you, she ha he had a plan. He had a plan and he had a purpose for her. And then Thursday night, I had this little thought during the sermon and had not really thought about it too much before that. But then I realized when he had this one-on-one -on -one conversation with her, why did he pick a woman? It mentioned in there, the disciples thought it. Why is he talking to this woman? Why, why her? And then it dawned on me why he was talking to a woman. Because he wanted to get something done. And then I got the same reaction Thursday night. And then I said, if there are men in the room, they should give an even louder amen if they know what's good for them. The little kids got it. <laughs> so um, she dropped her water pot, her old life, her baggage, and said, I'm going to go tell somebody about this man. I'm going to reach out. She reached out to him first. And um, you know what? Let me talk about that just a little bit more. So the Gospel of John, chapter 4, this chapter is absolutely incredible. And um, I did the same thing Thursday night. I challenged everybody to go back this week, 
Read and study that entire chapter. This, amen. Jimmy did it. He told me he did it. So I'm going to tell you, when you go back and read this, it's one of the longest one-on-one conversations that Jesus had with somebody. He had tons of great sermons. And I mean, obviously he talked a lot, but we really get to dig in here. And I think it's really important because it, it shows the development of a, a relationship. So go back and read it. I'll go ahead and tell you, here's the short version. They met, and the first thing she does, she calls him a Jew. She labeled him right off the get-go, just like we as humans do. We usually label people first, don't we? Then right after that, he developed, and he started talking to her a little bit more, getting a little bit deeper, and then she started calling him sir. And then he knew he kind of had that relationship going, so he started developing a little bit more, And then that's when he kind of threw it on her to go get her husband. And she says, well, that's a little complicated and it's not really my husband. And there was four before that. That's a whole other story we're not going to get into today. But then she realized the stuff he was telling her, nobody could have known except him because it was inside of her heart. There's no way anybody else would have known. So then she calls him prophet. Jew, sir, prophet and then the next thing is the Christ the Messiah we need to allow Jesus to have those conversations with us because by doing that we're able to take steps to get everything in motion so we can reach out to others this was a nameless woman in the Bible who transformed an entire region Imagine what we can do with the technology we have at our fingertips now. Amen? The next thing I want to talk about, and this is kind of the third and closing point to the the message, is that when we follow Jesus, we have to share him with others. And it seems kind of simple and sounds like an easy thing to do. And we're encouraged as Christians to do this. You know, Jesus, one of his greatest commandments to us was to love one another just as he loved us. It's so simple to go out and share. Now, I will say some people may not be as gifted at evangelism, but I'm not necessarily talking about that. I mean, you can go out and just, gra- just buy a simple cup of coffee. We've seen it happen here. Buy somebody a simple cup of coffee, and then the next time you see them, it might develop to let's go to dinner or go have another coffee, let's have a conversation. And they start to see how God is working in your life without actually coming out and just saying, hey, come to church with me. And I've had somebody even say to me, well, that's easy for you to say because you're a pastor. That's not necessarily the case all the time. I, I will say it's easy for me to talk to somebody about it, but what I'm saying it's not easy is because sometimes they have a barrier. Now that barrier, though, the good news to that barrier, that's not a God-created barrier. That's a human-created barrier. And God can break through those barriers if we allow him the time and let him do his work. I had a couple of uh, examples to show you what I'm talking about. Um, it's a couple of bad examples of reaching out to people. Uh, one of them was a billboard that I saw on, uh, I think it was I-95 years ago, and there was a name of the church at the top of the billboard, and even if I did remember it, I probably shouldn't say it, So, um, but it had the name of the church, and then in quotation marks, it said, get right or get out. 
I actually found another billboard. I Google searched and found another billboard, and I showed it to Christine, and she says, yeah, don't show that one to the church. So it was that bad. And then another time, personal story. So I used to be in the wonderful world of retail, and um, I'm helping this gentleman one time at the store I worked at and uh, got finished helping him. He checked out, and just as he's leaving, he reaches in his pocket, and he hands something out to me. And I could see it as he handed me. It had a big, giant question mark on it. So I reach for it to see what it is because he's handing it to me. And as he's handing it to me, he says, quote, did you know you're going to hell? So I kind of didn't know what to say, but I said, no. So I take the pamphlet from him, though, because I wanted to see what was in this pamphlet. And I did tell him then, I said, sir, I'm a, I am a believer. I believe in Jesus. But the thing was, we didn't have any more conversation at that point. He didn't say a word. He just turned around and he left. I will never forget that because I will always make sure that I personally do not condemn somebody just by assuming what they do. If the church in general will represent God in a way that shows his unconditional love, if we reflect that to our community, God, not us, God will transform lives for the better of the world. Amen? I'm going to break it down one more way for you. In verse 29, she says, come see a man. Come and see. This absolutely grabbed my attention when I was studying this scripture. Come and see. I researched it, and there was over 55 times that I could find. There's actually probably a lot more. 55 times where come and see, there was an invitation given. So depending on the translation, you know, the word see may be a little bit different. But come and see does not mean, hey, come watch what we're doing. It's not just a visual, visualization. It is a, I want you to come experience something. And um, so I planned a little something today. And I did the same thing the other night. And um, Camille, can you come up front with me? So Camille's on our staff, so we're going to do our little social distance thing here. And you just stand right there. So... By the way, thank y'all. This is Camille Hartley. She's our new uh, children and youth music director, so God bless her. But um, amen. And she doesn't get paid. She just gets dessert. So um, actually what this is, this is a chocolate cream pie. And um, our friend Carson McCullen made this for us. And it's probably the best dessert you've ever had in your life. Um, it's got, I mean, I'm sure it's got tons of sugar and the topping on it. I mean, look how, look here. So, I mean, it's just the best thing you could have ever tasted in your entire life. So, I mean, if you wanted to, like, take it and, like, look at it some more, and um, I'm just going to keep telling you about it. Um, I know, it's not cool. But, um, so, my point being, if I sit here and I tell somebody, if I say, come and see, and I talk about this nonstop, about how good it is in my life and how much, how much it affects me and how I feel. 
it's not the same as if I pass it on to her. She gets to keep it and take it with her. And she gets to experience it and live it for herself. It's so much better than me just telling her about it. Amen? Thank you. You can sit down. And you get to keep the dessert. (laughs) When we allow God to work in somebody's life, it is an exciting and wonderful thing. And we invite other people to come and see it as well, don't we? There's one more place that I want to read from. And it's John chapter 1. Starting at verse 45, Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said to him, Can anything come good out of Nazareth? And Philip said, What? Come and see. He's saying, don't believe my word only. Come and see this one that Philip is talking about. This is the one. This is the one that the prophets talked about. This is the one that Moses talked about in his law. But you see, the difference being, yes, the prophets and Moses, they absolutely devoted themselves to the law. One might even say they appropriated the law. But the difference is, Jesus came. And he accomplished the law. And he did so by putting his final stamp on the cross. And when he died and he rose again from the dead, he sealed the deal for everybody to be forgiven of their sins and to also go out into the rest of the world and tell everybody else the good news. And today as we Celebrate baptism of the Lord's Sunday, as Kim mentioned. This may be your first time hearing about baptism, whether it's in here or online. That's completely fine. If you want to have a conversation of what baptism means, reach out to us, any of the four pastors. We'd love to talk to you about what baptism means in your life. Perhaps you were an infant and you don't remember your baptism, and that's fine too. Or you may have done it recently. But what we can do is we can remember the baptism of Christ and what it means to receive baptism of the Holy Spirit. So as I pour this water, I just want you to think and remember what it feels like to invite Christ into your heart. Let us remember not only our baptism, but baptism of our Lord and Savior. Will you pray with me? Lord God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your spirit. We thank you for the gifts that you've given all of us and all those that we have not even received yet, God. But what we do know is that you gave us the ultimate gift. That is the gift of everlasting life 
because we believe in you, God. We believe in Jesus on the cross. And if this is your first time listening to that word, whether it be in this room or watching online or on TV at some other time, God, we just ask you to speak to somebody's heart as they open up and they say, Lord God, Jesus, please forgive me. And you embrace them and you welcome them into the everlasting life. Amen.